0: Thank you for that song. That was that was beautiful. That's what uh, makes Christmas special, isn't it? The music of Christmas. I, uh, I wish that I was a singer or even just a musician. You've heard the old joke, I can only play the radio. I can't even do that. Uh, I learned early on in my life that music wasn't going to be my path because uh, I went to a school and we did a Christmas play. And uh, I wasn't nearly as bad off as uh, I had three friends Uh, David Foley, Mike Wilder, and Daniel Morgan, they were always the wise men. And so I wasn't that bad off. At least I got to stand in the back and repeat the word watermelon, watermelon, watermelon to make them think that I was singing. But music is a beautiful part of what Christmas is and what Christmas does. The celebration of Christ's birth, the celebration of all that we gain as a result of his coming is a part of that music and creates this sense of celebration. This morning, what I would like for us to do is look at Luke chapter 1. And when we go into Luke chapter 1, we will learn about two lives, Zacharias and Mary. And these two lives will remind us how we can have that song, that music of Christmas, the praise that comes with knowing that Jesus Christ has come and that he is going to be the one that saves us from our sins. So in Luke chapter 1... Beginning in verse 5, we learn about four reminders that puts that song in our lives, that praise on our lips. The first reminder is doing is not enough. Doing is not enough. In Luke chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Zechariah, his name means Jehovah remembered. Elizabeth's name means God is abundant or to swear an oath of allegiance to God is also a part of that kind of worshiping him. And it's kind of ironic that there are two people that are described by this writer, Luke, described as people that are blameless, people that are doing something. You know, Zachariah is a priest. You can't get any better than that in this culture in particular. They are doers. But something is missing here, and that is a child. It says that Elizabeth is barren. She is unable to conceive. She can't have children. And to kind of make that worse, she's old, as is her husband. They are too old for children. And this, in that culture, was a stigma. It was a thing that made people look upon them as, as missing something from God. God has uh, kind of ignored them and not blessed them because they don't have children. And each year that passed was a reminder to them that they were missing something, that something was not there. But they were both very much involved. Notice what happens with Zechariah. He is doing so much. He is involved. And look at verse 8. It says, Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go into the holy place and to burn the incense before God. And this is something that's happening for him. It's a monumental occasion in his life. And so we see this guy, Zechariah, who is a doer. Now, you need to keep that in mind. That's not enough. And we're going to see that at the end here of his uh, explanation of who he is. He is involved. He is working. He He is absolutely the model person, when you look at him, of someone who is righteous, someone who is practicing righteous things. He is the model for that. What we're going to discover, but that's not enough. In order to have that song renewed in your heart, in order to have that praise on your lips, there's got to be something else, not just doing. You know, oftentimes we get caught up in that. We get caught up in doing because people can see that. People can see what we're doing, and therefore they can praise us or thank us for that. But the Lord is going to remind us that there is something more that you need besides just doing. There's an old story that is told, about a father and a daughter, the father and the daughter were living alone. The wife had died and the daughter every day after school would come home and run up the stairs and go to her room and lock the door every day, run up the stairs, go to her room and lock the door. This went on for about a month and Christmas was getting closer. And as Christmas was getting closer, the father was longing for that time to be with his daughter, to talk to her. To, to see what was going on and happening in her life. But every day she would come home from school, she would run up the steps, lock the door, and be in her room. Finally, Christmas Day comes, and the father and the daughter are there celebrating Christmas. The daughter says to the dad, I have something for, for you, and he runs, she runs up the steps, goes into her room, and brings out a sweater, this marvelously knitted sweater that is just perfect for the father in all kinds of ways. And the father took the sweater and looked at it, I thanked her for it. But he says, You know what? He says, Instead of doing the knitting, I wish you would have been spending time with me over these last 30 days. The doing, we get caught up in the doing, putting a product on place, putting a product out before someone, saying, Here is what I've done for you. But there's something more that we need to add to that. And Zacharias will remind us of that. Look at this, if you would please, verse 10. This is kind of just an aside, but verse 10, it says this. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Think about that for just a moment. Here he's doing something for God. And what were the people on the outside doing? They're praying for him. Uh, This is, like I said, this is just an aside. But what do you do when others are in service for God? Do you remember to pray for those that are serving? Do you remember to pray for the musicians that play here? Do you remember to pray for for Jeff as he prepares during the week? Do you remember to pray for those that are uh, missionaries sent out from Grace Chapel? Do you remember to pray for those that are important to the work of God? Sometimes we forget, don't we? Sometimes we forget. my mind, I I have a friend, and he calls it some-timers. You know, instead of Alzheimer's, he calls it some because sometimes I forget. And that's what happens to me. Sometimes I forget. So I write everything down. And creating a prayer book was one of the best things that I ever did, making a list of things that people and needs that they have. I would encourage you to do that. That's just an aside to what's going on here today. But doing is not enough. That's the first reminder that we have to get that song of praise back into our hearts. Please notice the second reminder is found in verse 11. The second reminder is that God answers in his time and in his way. Verse 11 says this. It says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call him John. Your prayers have been heard. God answers in his time, in his way. Your prayers have been heard. How long have they prayed, I wonder? They're well up in age. They're well up in years. How long have they prayed for a son? How many years had passed? How long do you pray? I just received a a phone call from a friend saying uh, this young couple, they are trying to have a baby. I said, How long have they been trying? They said, A year. Now, in my heart, I'm thinking, A year, that's not very long. But to them, that seemed like a long time. You know, how long do you pray? God's time, God's way, he will do it his way. Uh, Notice what happens here. It says God answered prayer and he answered it and says in verse 14 about this boy, John, he says he will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but when we went to the doctor and the doctor said, you're going to have a baby, that's all I got. Nothing else. You're going to have, they, they didn't say it's going to be a boy. They didn't say it's going to be a girl. In fact, later on, we went back and they did that sonogram thing and they said, oh, it's going to be a girl. They were wrong twice. Do you see what's happening here? Not only does he say your prayer is going to be answered and you're going to have a son, but look what kind of a guy he's going to be. He's going to be this type of a guy that is going to turn the hearts of the people, turn the hearts of the people to make ready a people prepared For the Lord. What an answer to prayer. What an amazing thing for them to know. What a marvelous gift that God has given to them. A son who is going to to do these great things. He's going to be filled with the Spirit of God even before he's born. And Zechariah, instead of exclaiming, Wow, what more could I ask? Look what he says in verse 18. Zachariah answered the angel and said, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. You see, God answers in his time and in his way. And instead of saying, wow, that's wonderful, that's marvelous, I'm glad, he has no belief. He has no faith. He says, how can I be sure? You see, this goes all the way back to the first one. Look at this guy. He was doing everything right. He had lined it all up perfectly, it seems like, as we look from the outside on his life. It looks like he's doing everything right. But there's something that's miss, missing. And what's missing is faith, belief. And look at verse 19. It says, The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. What better way to add credibility to yourself than number one, I'm an angel. Number two, I've been in the presence of God. Number three, God gave me the message to tell you that you're going to have a son and this is the type of guy he's going to be. Uh, It's not enough, though, for Zechariah. And the angel knows that, and so look what happens. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. It's not going to happen. You're going to be silent. You're going to be... Unable to speak. You see, the music, the praise, goes way out, of, way out of your lips, is gone. Because you don't believe. You see, we forget that God has his time, God has his plan, God has his ways. When he says it's time, or it's you, or I want something from you, we say yes instead of why. Why is that? What do you want me to do? How can this be? You see, Zachariah made a a, a mistake in forgetting to trust in what God is able to do. You see, I would have thought that being a good Hebrew, that Zacharias would have said to the angel, you mean like Sarah and Abraham? Remember, they were old. They had a child. But he forgets all of that and thinks only of himself and looks only at himself and says, you know what, I'm old, my wife's old. We can't have children. You see, we need to be reminded that God answers in his time and in his way. Look at verse 22. It says, Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why it took so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. At the end of that uh, little passage there, it will tell you that Elizabeth did conceive. God tells us, that we need to remember that doing is not enough. We need to be reminded that God does things in his time and in his way. Please notice the third reminder that comes to us in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. The scene changes completely from Zechariah in the temple to Mary in verse 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The third reminder is confusion is not faithlessness. Confusion is not faithlessness. Well, what happens here is the angel appears to marry a young woman. Now, we're talking 14, 15 years old. Some have even said she might have been younger. She is a young woman. She is a virgin. She's never known a man. She is pledged to be married to Joseph. And the angel comes to her and says, you're going to have a baby. Uh, Mary's response is, is a little bit different. You say, well, you're being awfully hard on Zacharias for saying that he, is, he, he doesn't believe. I'm not being hard. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says he didn't believe. That's not the case with Mary. Mary's confused. She doesn't understand the biology of this thing. You see, she understands that there needs to be a man and a woman in order to have a son or a child. And the angel is saying, you're going to have a child, and she doesn't know a man. And she understands the rules of engagement, which means there's, there will be no contact with Joseph. Uh, Mary, the angel says, you're highly favored. You have found favor with God. It's the same idea of Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, where it talks about Noah who found favor with God and was the one chosen to save people with the ark. Mary is highly favored, but she is no different than you and I. You see, Mary is this woman who has found grace, who has found favor with God. She is not someone that is sinlessly perfect. She is someone that is just like you and I, that God has come to and said, I want to use you for a marvelous thing, and that is to bear the child of God. And Mary's response, how will this be since I am a virgin? She's confused by this. Uh, It happens, doesn't it? God comes to us with these uh, uh, things that he wants us to do, and he says, this is what I want from you. I want you to participate. I want you to be a part of this or to do something. And oftentimes we just say no. Instead of asking God, how can we make this happen? How can we make this work? That's Mary's question. How will this be? Her confusion is not over what God is able to do. Her confusion is over how will we make this happen, God? How will it come to pass? You see, confusion is not faithlessness. Confusion is just saying, you know what? I don't understand what's happening here. And that can happen to a lot of us, right? I can remember the the conversation that came about in my mind about coming and being a part of of a school in Cincinnati, Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy. Why this place? Why was that for me? God deciding that this is what it would be. You know, there are all kinds of questions that we can have to answer when God brings us to these places. But there's a difference between being confused and having no belief. You see, Mary was in, and you'll see that in just a moment. But she was confused as to how God was going to do it, and the angel explains that to her. That leads us to the fourth reminder the fourth reminder is faith is relying on what God can do. Zechariah did not do that. Here he was, someone in the temple, someone who had seen God in this, this way in the temple, and he was unable to, to grasp that and say, you're right, let's go, it will happen. Mary was just the opposite. Mary had faith relying on what God said, because look at what happens in verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. In verse 37, the King James Version, many of you might remember that. it's, It's for with God nothing shall be impossible. Faith is relying on what God can do. The miracle is explained. The angel says to her, you know what, this is what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you're going to have a child as a result of the Holy Spirit. And then the, the explanation then is comforted, she's comforted by a, a, a person in her own life who has a past experience of God doing something for her. He, he uses the example of Elizabeth. He says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. So the angel is using these things of life to say, you know, this is what's going to happen. Now, the other part that makes Zacharias kind of a, a, a tough a tough on Zacharias is he's old. He ought to know better. He should be able to look back in his life at things that God has done before. And so when the angel says you're going to have a child, he should have said, you're right. We are because you said I am not because of me. And Mary, this young woman, relies on the words of God. God's word will never fail. Nothing with God is impossible. Do you have those things that when you are challenged spiritually, do you have those things you can look back on and see where God worked before? I was in college, and I wanted to travel to the Philippines and play basketball with a group of of, of other basketball players. And the first thing that we had to do was make sure all our shots are up to date. You know, this is in 1979. 79. And I walk in, and I had never had a, a smallpox shot or any of that kind of stuff like that. And I walked in, and the, the nurse said, you can't, you can't do this. I, I, I had very poor, I have b- very poor skin. I had uh, an acne problem. And she said, that, that vaccine will spread beyond where it should, and you're, you, you, you're, you can't do this. You can't go. I was devastated because I really wanted to go. And so what I did was I went to my, my coach my basketball coach, and I said to him, I said, I, I, I can't go to the Philippines. And he says, why? I said, well, because the nurse says I can't go. He goes, well, why, why can't you go? And I said, well, because the shot's going to be a bad thing and it's going to spread them. I could get smallpox and all this kind of stuff. He took his fingers and he went like this, just like that. He goes, that's what that is to God, that shot. He said he can overcome that. And then my coach began to tell me of stories and experiences in his own life where God had overcome things and done things in his life. And as a result of those stories, he says, let's go. And he went with me, and we got the shot. And the nurse, I'll never forget, she took a bottle cap and covered the shot and taped it. and I mean, she put alcohol all around everywhere. Every day she would check it, and I mean, it was unbelievable what all she did. And I never got, had any problems, or any, and I ended up going to the Philippines twice. And being able to do that. But I'll never forget my coach going like this. Because you see, when, when we have the experience and we can look back and see what God has done in our past, we can hold on to those things and then use those to step out again. And say, you know what? He did it before. He'll do it again. And that's what the angel does here. L- listen, Elizabeth, this has happened for Elizabeth. It'll happen for you. It's okay. Let's go. And Mary is, is someone that says, I'm going to do this. Look what happens in, in verse 38. It says, I am the Lord's servant Mary had answered, "May your word to me be fulfilled." Then the angel left her. Quite a different response, isn't it? Zechariah, "How can this be?" Mary, "I'm your slave, God. I'm your slave. I will do whatever you want me to do. May your word be fulfilled." Then the angel left her. I am the slave of the Lord. The commitment, giving over to what God said, resting on what God said. You see, too many times we make this mistake in life. We think that God wants us to run and jump off of a cliff into some oblivion of, of trust. That is not biblical. Biblical faith is saying God has said he will do. I am going. And that's what Mary does. Mary doesn't just go, okay, I'm hoping for the best. Here we go. That's not it. Instead, she says, God, what you have said, be it fulfilled in me. Where am I supposed to go to college? How am I supposed to pay for college? What am I supposed to do with a career? How am I supposed to get through the economic times? Trust, believe, faith in what God has said that he will do. We rely upon him. You see, as a result of these reminders and as a result of understanding what God can do and what his word says, things are different. You see, fear at, uh, at, at shackles us and holds us in place. That's what happened to Zachariah. Zacharias was fearful. What happens? He shut down. He can't speak. Mary, what happens to her? She says, I believe. Let's go. Now, here's the interesting thing about Mary. Right in the moment, the angel says, You're the one that's going to bear the child. And she says, I'm your slave. I'll do whatever your word says. What about Joseph? What about Joseph? Don't you want to talk to Joseph? You see, Joseph could have you stoned if it's found out that you're pregnant. Joseph can have you, your head shaved and you put in public and humiliated for this. No, no. God, you've spoken. You're going to take care of all that. I don't need to talk to Joseph because I want to do what God says. And God says, I'm the one, I'm the one. And she steps out in faith. She heard the word of God. She believed it and she acted upon it. No excuses. You notice that? No excuses. I believe this is what God wants me to do. Let's go then. Let's do it. I believe that God has said that that I should, well then let's go. Let's do it. God has, has, has seen fit to express his ideas to you through his word. And then what do we do with them? How do we respond? Do we step out in faith, or do we make the excuses saying, oh, "I don't think so. That's not going to work." That's one of the things that's so so funny. you know you you hear about uh, football, you know that's what season we're in basketball as well, but football, you know the the important or significant franchises in NFL football are the franchises that you rarely hear making excuses, right? The teams that make the excuses are the teams that don't accomplish anything, that are always saying, you know, we don't have the running game, we don't have a line, we don't have a, a, a pass rush, we don't have defensive backs. to Excuses. We're done with excuses, Mary says. Instead, I'm stepping out and doing what God says. I am doing what God says. Look what happens uh, for Zacharias. Now, we we were hard on Zacharias, but let's not leave him there. Look what happens. If you'll go down in verse 57, it says this. It says, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. Let's name him Zachariah. But his mother, that's Elizabeth, spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. Notice what people said. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. You know, they were very family oriented. name of Zacharias it makes sense. Anyway, then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Nine months later, he got it right. Notice what happens. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. Not to be too hard on Zechariah, He figured it out after nine months. After nine months, what should I do? Instead of saying, how are you going to accomplish this? I should have said, you know what? I'm in. And he praises God. He thanks him and rejoices in what he has. And and notice what happens. It says, all the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And then Zechariah could tell him, this is what he's going to be. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be unbelievable. He's going to turn people's hearts from evil to good fill our hearts, our lips with praise at Christmas to remember what God is able to do and to believe and trust in what he's doing. My family and I were gone two days over Christmas. We were gone Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We celebrated with uh, family. And so for two days I was away from my computer, which, you know, when you teach, you're there every day and you can open it. So I came back and I opened my computer, turned it on, open up Microsoft Outlook, and, you know, you, you know how it is. You have 500 email. But it was interesting. The one that was on top was from the principal of my school and said, sorry to inform you. That's how it started. And I thought, oh great, they had a meeting and I've been fired, you know, <laughs> without me. I opened it up and it then gives an explanation of a student in our school whose brother died on Christmas Day. And to make kind of a compounding problem, two years ago on Christmas Day, her mother died. And he said in the email, he said, please pray for the family. That's a tough one. Not only do you feel confused, but you think, wow, this is an impossible situation for that student. But the marvelous thing is, as I sat there at my computer Right next to me was this passage open in Luke chapter 1. And I was reminded that even these things that are impossible, God can handle, God can do. And I must admit to you, my heart breaks for the young lady, but I believe that God can heal and bring her through that because he is a God of all comfort. He is a God who has promised to be there. He is a God that has promised to provide in the hour of need. So this day after Christmas, and as the days unfold from here, allow us to remember to believe in what God says and to do what he asks us to do. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for this place. We're so glad to be able to open your word and to be reminded of, of all that You can do through us. May we be like Mary and Zechariah who understand Your Word and act upon it and allow us to have that attitude. Whatever it is, Lord, we are a slave to Your Word. Allow us to be used by You. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Have a wonderful week.